If you are listening to the Candid Conversations podcast, it means you are ready to have a major breakthrough in your business. That is why we invite industry experts onto this show so you can fill your mind with valuable information. We exist because we believe business owners are the real investors of the economy. Here's your host, Charles Schwen from Flying Kite. Welcome to Candid Conversations. No one ever starts their business for a boring reason. That is why we invite industry experts and entrepreneurs onto the show so they can share their story with us. Today, we have Rob and Kirsten Maud, and they are the co-founders of Motherland Coffee. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Charles. That's great to meet you, Charles. Thanks for having us. The pleasure is mine. This pleasure is mine. Look, I must say that uh, I've been to Motherland Coffee, and I'm a big fan, and I believe during this period, um, the company is providing some coffees to some of the hospital, the government hospital for the healthcare workers. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. During the time we were shut down and during the lockdown period, we, we were looking for a way to give back to the community that love us and that we love so well. Mm. And um, that came through one of the doctors that's a regular customer. And so we were able to give to the um, government hospitals around us. And it's been, a, it's been really a beautiful, generous yeah. expression. No, that is, that is awesome. I'm pretty sure they appreciate it because, I mean, I, 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 I've spoken to friends of mine when they tell, tell me what they go through, especially in ER. It's not like it's on TV. Uh, and uh, the fact that the, comp- the Motherland Coffee is doing some, offering some kind of help they will, they will definitely appreciate that. So thank you guys for doing it. No, pleasure. Yeah, you're right. I think I went and set up the first station. Oh. Uh, my partner, Seb, would have done it, but he had put his back out and uh, we went to Helen Joseph's and just saw the, the environment there. And yeah, people put themselves out there big time. So it was actually, it was a real, it was one of the highlights actually of, of lockdown over that early period. Uh, just going and seeing doctors and their eyes sort of sparkling now that they're going to get good coffee and uh, setting up a coffee station for them. So it was it was good fun actually as well. Now that's pretty cool. Now I want to just uh, go back to to the origins of the story. So I believe the three of you guys um, being uh, 2009, summer of 2009, got together and uh, take us through how that came about because. Coffee shops, there's, there's a lot of coffee shops. So why another coffee shop? Tell us. Mm. Well, there wasn't a lot of coffee shops back then, funny enough. Um, I think the, you know, um, not as big, but there was Seattle, uh, Vida had made a bit of an entrance. But I mean, in the Rosebank area where we were, there were more restaurants selling foamy cappuccinos. You know, there weren't a lot of um, the third space independent coffee houses that were, that you see now and that's, that's grown into. So... Um, I think we we were at the end of a, um, a season where I'd handed over my I'd taken over my dad's business. He had passed away, and I'd run that for three years. Uh, put in a manager and handed that on, and just we were looking for a new uh, new something. And um, so we went travelling for three months, Kirsty and myself, and um, our daughters. At the time, they were three and five years old, so a big family trip and. Uh, on that trip around the world, we started in Australia, China, States, Europe. We just visited a whole bunch of coffee houses because we just love, loved coffee. And, um, and it was on that trip where we thought, okay, we're going to actually, we want to get into coffee. Um, and either we're going to bring back a brand or, um, or else we'll, um, it dawned on us during the trip, we were actually on a train in Munich. 
And we said, like, why don't we start our own brand? I think it was towards the end of our three-month trip. And uh, we had just fallen in love with coffee and we had fallen in love with Africa, right? Mm -hmm. Three months into a, a around-the-world trip and uh, we had just realized the beauty of Africa and, um, and realized that all of these coffee houses that we were visiting around the world, none of them celebrated African coffee and it's the birthplace of coffee. So, mm -hmm. um, so the vision was really like, hey, man, we want to start a coffee brand. Firstly, we want to bring a a third space type coffee environment that we can just go and hang out at locally because um, uh, we love those spaces. They're so inspirational for dreaming and meeting and, you know, working and doing all of that. And there was nothing really at the time where we were. Um, and uh, yeah, so we just thought we want to start our own brand with, that celebrates Africa. Yeah, I think that's an important part is the celebrating Africa, celebrating home. Um, as South Africans, you know, you often look to the rest of the world for inspiration. There's so much here. And we wanted to champion and celebrate Africa's resources, her people, her design. Um, and that's what we endeavored to do with Motherland. Okay. And then I, I, I believe uh, that's what, hence the name, Motherland, because the coffee is from Africa, the origin. Yes. Because yeah. one of the first ones I think Seth may have, as we were doing a list, it was yeah. like top on the list, and then we came yeah. up with 40 others, you know, okay. and then you go back to what your heart says. Yeah. But yeah, that, that nurturing, that resource, that, that sense of home comes through in that, in that word, mm -hmm. motherland, tribute to what our continent, what our country has to offer. And, and the birthplace of, of coffee. Of coffee. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And I mean, 2009, so that's about 11 years old. I mean, 11 years, 11 years now. I mean, mm -hmm. and uh, the take us through the take us through the first day or the like the first few um, week or month before leading up to the first door opening. Were you guys excited? Was it nerve wracking? Did you guys have a moment of like, oh my goodness, we're just putting all this money in? Is it going to work? What went through your mind? Yeah, yeah. We we're big on vision, right? Yeah. So vision sustains us a lot, and so that first year we were pumped. Okay, we had <laughs> tried coffee. We uh, we just it was an unfolding delight. Yeah, okay. yeah, and I think I mean leading up to that week before, like you said, I think it's just all systems go. I think you know, I think for the first year probably we didn't ever come down. Right, mm -hmm. um, we would be having. I mean, our kids I think have grown up with entrepreneurship and at their core because that's what you talk about at dinner, right? Because we had this vision and this dream to, you know, impact the world through coffee and celebrate Africa. And we would do that, you know, chat about that over dinner every night. Um, so it was full on. I think we opened our first store in um, September, the day uh, before my birthday, actually. So day two was working behind the till, going crazy on your birthday. Um, but it was, no, it was full on. It was, it was nerve wracking. I remember, um, Kirsty, we had just had a little... Uh, little boy, um, he, he was born in that June, uh, just over the World Cup soccer time. And um, I think on day two, Kirsty had a boy on her hip. And I mean, that was, that that was yeah, so the year was really yeah. amazing. I mean, I, I mean, I remember when we got our branding, we were, we were partnering with a, a branding agency and we, we got the logo and we got the illustrated text. We were standing in a takeaway restaurant and it was so emotional. You know, as the, this, this beautiful company was born and it found its element. That first day, oh my goodness, I had this little boy. I'm watching these paninis go out. I'm like, 
is the roast veg even cooked? A lot of friends and family from our community, I thought, I actually felt like shame. They actually just fine because they feel sorry for us, you know? And that was the first day. You're so vulnerable. You put your heart out, on, out there in the world. And, mm. and, you know, over the next months, we transitioned from just seeing our friends, family, our community in the space. I remember walking in about three months later and recognizing no one in the restaurant. And I thought, this is a turning point. This isn't just our family supporting us anymore. This is actually people loving the brand. So vulnerable, but good, highs and lows. So you actually remember the moments, huh? Like, wait a minute, like, I don't know, who are these people? Oh, they're actual customers. You actually had that aha moment. Absolutely, absolutely. Where you recognize, hey, this could actually work. I mean, you put something in the world and those first months are touch and go, you know, are we, is this mm-hmm. going to fly? And I remember definitely that moment of thinking, I think this is going to work. I think this is going to go where we're hoping it's going to go. I actually have also have a moment burned into my memory where, you know, when, when you start a brand, you like, you know, people ask, oh, what demographic are you going after? Who you, who's your target market? And, 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 and we decided to launch in the Rosebank area because it was just such a, I don't know, for me, it felt like a beautiful picture of diversity. You know, you've got from guys from up in East Africa to students, to businessmen, to the granny with her purple rinse, you know? And um, I remember, you know, us wanting to be a brand for, you know, not to be everything to everyone, but we want to do, we don't want to be so niche that it excludes a whole bunch of people in the population. So. Um, I remember a moment standing behind the till and looking out and seeing literally that diverse. There was a, there was a student, there was some, uh, there was an, like an old couple there. There was some guy with dreads and it was just, it was just such a wide, uh, diverse picture that, um, it was one of those things like, oh yes, this is why we created this thing. It's yeah. for these people right now. You know? We do love the community aspect of coffee. That we, we come into a third space. There is a community. Even if you're sitting alone with your iPad, you're connected in the space of, of work and community and conversation and inspiration. We, we, we thrive off that. It's one of the reasons why we love the space so much. Okay. And then, so out of all these years, is there a specific memory that, that, that really, really stood out for you that, you know what, this is, this is our highest point. It can't get higher anymore. Was there any specific moment that stood up before, besides the one that you guys mentioned about, about uh, for example, you, you don't recognize anybody anymore. This is real. <laughs> to the point that, wait a minute, we're actually in operation. We actually have a point of sale. We have a system going. Was it was like a defining moment? You're like, wait a minute, this is a proper business now that you guys can think of. I, can I, can yeah, I, sure. I think, um, you know, at the beginning, obviously everything is about venue. So we started in Rosebank and then we opened in Dunkeld West and mm. we would literally drive the streets of the areas around us looking for venues. And we'd go to places and we'd say, this is who we are. And they would be skeptical and they wouldn't want to give us the space. And they would skeptical about something. what? Skeptical about Just, what? Like an unknown brand and especially the bigger retail area, the, the bigger retail spaces okay. were instant and they'd often choose known brands over us. Safety, and safety. Remember, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I just remember um, a couple of years in, one of the big retail centers around here approaching us and us turning them down. And I was like, oh, wow. Come on. The, turbo, the tables have turned. <laughs> 
you know, mm -hmm. this is a desirable brand for other people and, and they want it. And, and that was definitely for me a, a memorable mm -hmm. turning point. But why, I mean, you don't have to mention the name, but why did you turn, turn them down? Was the location wrong? Was the rent? I mean, what, what, why would you turn them down? I think we've learned uh, what spaces work and what don't, you know, okay. over time. And we're still learning. I mean, retail, literally, it's not a crystal Retail ball. detail, huh? Yeah. And um, so I think going into certain um, mall-type spaces where um, we've learned that hasn't worked for us, you know. Um, and so I think that was probably a big reason there. Yeah. To a large extent, we love being kind of on the high street, on the corner of, of big spaces and just... Uh, it's a central point for business people to come, for cars to stop and pull in, for moms on the way to school, for kids on the way home. You know, all of that becomes, we've just found that that's a really beautiful space for us and it's often, often a determining factor. But as Rob says, there's so many factors and it's not a science. Okay. I think um, for me, probably the, one of the, those big moments, um, I had two big moments where I think, you know, you start off and you, you're vulnerable, you, you're small, you uh, naive in a new sector that you haven't played in before mm. um, and to get some um, international recognition um, I think was uh, was quite a big thing at, at one point I remember being maybe a, a year or two in um, and uh, one of our customers um, had moved to Munich and um, was involved with Starbucks in, in Munich and he phoned me one day and said, listen, do you mind? I've picked up some of your coffee. I have to prepare, or he had to prepare a coffee cupping ceremony for, for Howard Schultz uh, um, in Berlin. And um, he's like, can you tell me a bit more about your coffee, the flavor notes, et cetera, et cetera. So he wanted to be prepped and ready. And uh, we got feedback at the end of that, that at this blind cupping that Howard Schultz had picked our coffee as, uh, as being like the best of the bunch in that cup. Wow. Now, we really would, you know, wouldn't like pick ourselves against Starbucks um, from a coffee, coffee quality point of view, but just to get that, you know, outside. It's a well-known brand. It's a very, very well-known yeah, brand. Yeah, exactly. This giant and a, a year in just being a, you know, really a new, new startup company. It was quite a, a nice external feedback. Well, that's, that, that, is, that is very, very cool. And uh, look, I, I believe that you are also a man of faith and you, the two of you started your church, when was it, about two years ago? Yeah, that's right. Just tell us a little bit more, like, why? Why, why start a church instead of just going to a church? And how do you balance, I mean, running a, a retail coffee store and now you have to shepherd other people? Just walk us through that, please. Mm. Well, I think, I mean, the, the question of balance is always a big one, isn't it, right? And I think you have to, that can only work with team. Um, and so, you know, with us being involved in, in a retail coffee brand um, and, and operation, we rely heavily on, on team, right? So, um, Sebastian, um, Kirsty's brother, he heads up the brand and so he runs the day-to-day. The -day. So, I think... The only way we were able to, to do that on a sustainable level was to not be involved um, on the, the, the operational day-to-day -day, uh, parts of things when you're involved in multiple things. I've also got another business uh, that I'm involved in uh, that we started in 2002. So, yeah, so we're carrying quite a few hats. Mm. And, yeah, I think our faith and is just a central part of who we are. And I think we were looking for 
you know, sometimes things get deposited in you that you're looking for that you don't find somewhere else. And I think, you know, all, all churches, all communities have got their own specific DNA. And um, I suppose, yeah, their DNA. And I think we hadn't, we were looking for a DNA that was ourselves. And um, so, yeah, so the beginning of 2018, we, uh, we decided to, uh, to start our own church. Um, the church that we had been going to was coming, we had, um, was actually closing down. Um, and so, yeah, we were just at a unique opportunity to say, well, you know, with, with friends that we had gathered with, um, that were very close to us, we very, we've got some really tight, uh, close-knit community and friends. Um, we said, hey, listen, this is time to do this. I think also um, as part of our, our trip in 2009, one of the central things that, that we felt God deposited in our understanding and in our hearts was the connection between family, business, um, church, and social justice. And we knew that our story, our personal life story, would have those, five, uh, those four cornerstones, so church, family, social justice, and business. And our story has been an unpacking of that. We've done motherland. Um, we're very invested in our family. We've had seasons of homeschooling our kids. Social justice is a big aspect of what we do at motherland and other things we'd like to be involved in. And then church. And I, I think the, the key is actually really an understanding that there is no separation between what is secular and what is spiritual. Everything in our life is spiritual. Family is spiritual. Business is spiritual. Community is spiritual. Um, social justice is spiritual. And so I think in our walk with the Lord, he's taken us on this journey of actually fleshing that out, which means two years ago, actually starting a church community that, that represents that. And, and most of our guys are on that same journey. They're, they've got businesses of their own or they're employed in places and they see their work as a very huge part of their life ministry, their life calling. I mean, speaking about that, I, I, I really believe that the fact that we have faith, it helps a lot because this, this uh, COVID is not an event. It's, it's not like a one-sort thing. It's going to be there, be here for quite a while. And if you don't have faith, you are reading up maybe perhaps pop psychology, you're listening to the wrong voices, and it can drive you nuts. So I want to know, how do, you, what do, what, how do the two of you stay sane during this period? Stay sane. Stay sane. Yeah. <laughs> I think for me, it's, it's being in a place of rest, no matter what your external uh, circumstances and situation. Mm. And um, uh, that's nothing that we can claim as our own, like while I stayed in rest and I held in this. You know, for me, it's, it's us falling back into, into faith, falling back into Jesus and what he's done for us. Mm. You know, he's uh, seated us with him. In the heavenly places, that's where we are seated, you know. And so, for me, it's a it's a very active reminding of myself to come back to that place of trust. Because when you're in full trust, you can be um, you can be fully at peace, you know. And so, I think uh, you wrestle through. We're human, as, as you know, um, and we, we wrestle through these these spaces of being, uh, you know, fear comes in, and then like reminding yourself actually. Uh, where your anchor is, where you where you seated really, and and finding that place of peace. So for me, if it's COVID or not, it's a, if it's not this, it's something else, right? Mm. Uh, if it's not COVID, it's your your business that is on the brink of 
uh, really tough times because whatever, something happened. Yeah. Um, there's always something in life that's, that's coming at us of, of sorts. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Sorry to interrupt, because I, I, I was reading a scripture this week and, and it just reminded me that Jesus told us already in this life we will have trouble. If you know that line, then you know it's going to happen. But every now and then we forget that line, right? Yeah. yeah. It's like the one thing he guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's one thing that he guaranteed. And I just want to, because you mentioned that about, about business and about finding peace. And I mean, will the two of you as parents, would you say that entrepreneurship should be taught in school? Do you think it will help and why? I mean, I think as entrepreneurs, you've always got a bias, right? So I would say absolutely yes. Um, for me, being an entrepreneur is the most exciting place that, uh, that I could be at. And um, so we, we desire that for our kids. You know, I think, um, I think, yeah, it's, it's such a big part of the economy. So if, if, um, if, the, if however many percentage of jobs that our kids are going to do when they grow up haven't even been invented yet, you know, it's not about just a way of processing information. It's about problem solving. Those are going to be the real skills. Um, problem solving, uh, creativity, uh, those sort of traits. And uh, for me, that's what entrepreneurship is. It's looking at the environment around you, uh, seeing need and coming up with creative ways to solve that need and also find fulfillment for yourself in your, in your creativity and what, you, what you've created. And so... Um, I think it's crucial, um, even if you don't become an entrepreneur, to have a value for that. Um, I think I would highly recommend and want my kids to be exposed to that at school as well. Yeah, and we have on and off homeschooled our children for the last five years. Um, they are now 10, 14, and 16. And, um, you know, I think part of that is just taking them out of what is the structured system in order to connect with what is inside of them, the gifts, the talents, the unique thing that is there, and then being able to find outlets and connection with creativity, imagination, exploration, love for learning. Those are the key elements that make an entrepreneur successful in the long term. Mm. And so to see that incorporated in a structured um, school environment, I think would be imperative. It would be a beautiful thing. Okay. So, I mean, you, you uh, Robert, you, early on you mentioned, when you were answering the question, you mentioned you even, you, the two of you have incorporated that into your kids' lives. What, what did you mean by that? Like, do you actively uh, kind of say, let's do something cool so we can make it into a business? Or what, do you, what did you mean by that? Like, you actively incorporate that? I'm trying to think how we actively incorporate it. I think it's mostly via discussion, right? Because... Okay. The way, you pick up, the way you pick up a, an accent in the area that you live, um, it's what you're exposed to. And so uh, our kids are exposed to, um, to thoughts. They're exposed to the trials, the, the victories, etc. cetera. And, um, and then I think when they respond to that, because not, you don't want to force your kid in a certain direction. Mm. You know, when, when our kids, um, and particularly our eldest, when she's, you know, started little business from when she was 12 and <laughs> what, business, what business was it? What, um, business was it? Yeah. what was the name of it? Uh, sugar, yes, please. Sugar, yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> so Baking. she's like, you know, she's an avid baker. We love to cook. Um, so okay. all of we foodies, our kids are foodies and I love food. And, um, and so she started up a little a sugar, yes, please business when she was 12. And we went to the Parkview market and set up a stand with her. So, 
you celebrate those things and you know teach them through through practical examples. And what kind of questions do do they ask you guys about business, or do they, or do they just sit there and observe? Well, in that instance, she you know got Rob to download Adobe Suite to design the logo with her to. They went and made the sign. Wow. Uh, you know, we looked at spreadsheets, how to how to work out your profit and 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 what. Just hold on, hold on. You 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 were working on spreadsheet with a twelve year old. Did I hear the right? <laughs> yeah, I mean that wasn't like your favorite part of the thing, right? Yeah, she hated it. That was the worst. <laughs> I'm like twelve year old. You're showing how to do spreadsheet. Look, numbers don't lie. Numbers don't lie. I was just, I've never heard that before. Okay, but carry on, carry on. That's, that's interesting. It was ambitious, you know. I think it's just, but I think what we did there, it was like the big deal was, hey, she got a, she got a, a table out with her sign that um, we also own a signage company. So we've got, uh, we made the sign for her. So she was just proud of her creation and her baking. And, you know, and like PS, like, hey, we don't always want to fund these yeah. things from our side. How much is this costing mom and dad? Yeah. That yeah. was the question. Or are yeah. we actually making profit? And I think she actually made a little profit no, no, she that didn't. time. So that Did she give any profit sharing back to mom and dad? No. So she didn't Not look after. So lesson number one: look after your shareholders, right? <laughs> <laughs> Tough love. We haven't yeah. learned that one. You just got to plant these little seeds. Later they'll grow. You know. No, that 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 is very very cool. Look, you know, and in terms of uh, in terms of faith, right? If somebody's listening right now and they are also a business owner or they could be an employee and they need words of encouragement or they need some, some kind of light at, at the end of the tunnel, what would you say to them? What would your message be, be from them? What well, if they're going through a tough if they're going through a tough time at the moment? Yeah, tough time in terms of when is this going to end? You know, how I'm gonna how am I gonna make through this? I, I have I mean let's let's be real. People are are struggling to pay the bills. It's like every single day when you check out the news, it's just one bad news after another, after another, after another. Especially yeah. you from a, from a, a, I suppose as a spiritual guidance, the two of you, I know both of you, you preach and I've listened to both of your sermons and I loved it because the two of you don't tell fancy stories. You share, you dig into the word and you're very real about it. That was one of the, initial reasons why why i said to myself you know i have to interview the two of you mm -hmm. so well for me i was reading hebrews 4 this week and it's this beautiful passage of how jesus was human and he knows he's still in essence in his humanity and he knows every part of what it means to be human and I think that's huge. It's the knowledge that Jesus is with us, that God is with us in our storm. He's not in some distant place that is hard to reach, like with this brass ceiling that we're trying to attain. He's with us in the middle of what we're facing. That changes the game for me. I'm not alone. I'm with him. I can hear his voice. Um, I may not be hopeful, but he is full of hope. I may be disappointed, but he is laughing at the future. Mm. To rest in that, in the middle of it, is so huge. And I think for us, we've, we've, we've learned, like Rob said, to pull back into that space of with him in this. What are you saying, God? And from that space, I think, I think he can bring a perspective of actually he's, he's bringing strength in us. Actually, there's a good future ahead. There's something that we can hold on to and we're not alone. Okay. And Rob? 
Yeah, there's that, you know, that saying like this too will pass. And I think, you know, we've experienced that. We've been married for just over 20 years now. And we've I'm gone five. through... 20 years. Congratulations. Yeah. 18. <laughs> I was 18. <laughs> what was this one? Yeah. You guys are 18 when you got married? Me. And he was 22. I was 22, yeah. But that's another story. Yeah. Wow, that's that's young. Okay, okay. Wow. Okay, carry on, yeah? Yeah, no, just like the, this too will pass, you know, and I think um, over this, you know, you've got, you realize that a season isn't forever, you know, winter mm-hmm. isn't forever. Eventually springtime comes, you know, and I think we can obviously learn that from just historically, you know, you look back at the Great Depression or, you know, all of the things that we've endured, what our parents have endured, uh, and things change, you know. So I think, one, we can take um, comfort in that. Um, but mostly, you know, I think when we trust in what the Lord's got for us, that he's a good dad, yeah. um, that he's got our back, you know. Jesus said, don't worry what you will eat or drink or what you will wear. Um, because, you know, your, our Father who's in heaven, you know, he's got good gifts for us. And... Uh, he will take care. He knows that we need these things. And um, I think this is a unique opportunity um, for globally, you know, and uh, particularly for, for believers because so often we're not dependent purely on him. You know, we've always got our little back plan and doing things that are our, our plan and how we're going to make this thing work, you know, whereas we actually are called to be completely dependent on him. You know, uh, the more we depend on him, it's actually a, it's a badge of honor that we that we get to wear, as opposed to a sign of weakness. You know, in my opinion, um, and so this is a unique opportunity where there are a lot of the times no other plans, right? You know, we are fully reliant on him, and so when it's totally out of my hands, it's like okay, I can rest in that. Yeah, we do our part. You know, we we don't sit home and just do nothing. Um, unless we've obviously been asked to at, at moments by our government, which we yeah. obviously honor. But you get what I'm saying. You know, yeah. we, we, there's an action that we, we put out towards our passion, towards what he's calling us to do. But, but mostly it's from a place of like he's got this. You know, Simple trust. Childlike trust. Childlike trust. Mm-hmm. Rob and Kirsty, thank you so much for your time. And listeners, if you enjoyed this episode, please click like, comment, and subscribe. Thank you guys one more time. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Charles. If you would like to connect with Charles, get in touch with him on LinkedIn, Charles Schwinn, or follow him on Instagram, Flying Kite Today. Till next time.